Hello everybody, it's Friday night and it is weekender time once more. And on this week's show, we've got fighting Irish, fighting aliens, fighting robots, and probably fighting each other as well. On top of all of that, we have a big bumper prize of fighting dwarves from store.ontabletop.com. If you want to be in with a chance to win a Leagues of Votan starter army for Warhammer 40,000, then you need to be a subscriber to the YouTube channel pop a comment below, and if you can share us about and all that other stuff as well, that uh, helps us out an awful lot. Otherwise, sit back, relax, let the fighting commence, because your weekend starts here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Weekender. I'm joined this week by John, Justin, and Warren. Yay! How are you? Hopefully not tired this late on a Friday night. Fabulous. Long week. Feeling fabulous. Um, uh, uh, I've got my wee pal Justin back, looking all like Saruman there. With a, Saruman with a wee shiny head. So I'm, 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 in, I'm in a much better place now. But we're all exhausted, so um, we're actually going to take next weekend off to spend <sighs> with our families. Hunting for Easter okay. eggs. So we are actually going to take Easter off. There'll be no weekenders next week. Um, and you go all be on a chocolate coma anyway so at home, so don't be worrying. Hang on, hang on. Um, I mean, they'll be on a sugar rush, twitching and going, where is it? Yeah, so God. we're... we're, we're crash. Nothing next week. Nothing at all um, at next weekend anyway. Um, and I am going to, um, yeah, run a huge Easter egg hunt here um, for for my little ones to go out and then basically watch them all vomit and chocolate everywhere <laughs> and uh, all that there. Don't don't hide them on the motorway, Warren. It's good to have a plan, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. How have you dudes been? Um, just you had a good week getting, getting back into the swing of things working from home doing the editing from here for the first few while until my stamina is back up it's all about well, on the stamina you do your best to get it up justin okay we're all rooting Ooh. for you so we are um dudes it's spring clean challenge mm. okay um spring has sprang spring has sprang and oh my god i caught the bug this year really i totally i totally noticed. caught the bug not this COVID year again no, no, the spring clean challenge bug. I'm, I'm actually finally starting to feel reconnected um, uh, uh, into the, the hobby and some of the bits. So I'll tell you what, we're going we're gonna to have to get Snag and Army going shortly as well. It's all starting to flood back to me now. It's all coming back. So, we remember what the world was like before. I'm telling you, man, my little ones went to their first fun fair this week. Well, wow. Savannah had been to a fun fair, but it was the first fun fair for Jack. He's five. He's never been to a fun fair. So we took him to his first fun fair this week and he had an absolute blast. Um, me, not so much. <laughs> I enjoyed shooting the air rifle. Um, it was no problem, but it was 350 a go and you're basically, you know, you having to pay for the prizes, which wasn't great. And then I was told by a woman that I was too fat to go on to the ghost train. 
Um, no, no, you don't. Ago. You don't go on. No, no, you don't go on. You, you, you go on, but you take that tiny one. No, well, tiny one doesn't want to go with me. He wants to go with his mother. Well, no, this is the only way I make it work. You go with tiny one. No, <laughs> I can't go with the tiny. One. I'll go with my daughter. No, you too big. Go with her. You have to go with tiny one. No, he doesn't want to go with me. Well, then that's the only way I can make it work. You know, for all it took to put me in a car of my own, you'd have been round. You know, just I know. Here's here's. Two I tickets. love ghost trains. I I I don't know if people know this, but it's it's one of my quirks. Mm. Is I absolutely adore ghost trains. Love them. Well, I love Warren, them. Do you it's remember the, the Wallace, Do you remember the Wallace and Gromit one we went on in Blackpool? Yes. Yes. You just said. Yeah, I know. I just grinning from ear to ear, and and it's all thanks to Jimmy Savile. So. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I don't know if it was Jimmy Savile, but way back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was one of those shows where they had a ghost train and they had some dude dressed as Dracula. And as the kids were going through the ghost train, the car would stop. And then this dude dressed as Dracula would sit down in the uh, in the ghost train car beside them, and they would crap themselves. I wonder and how I many just, times that guy got punched in the face. I think it was a Noel's house party thing. It could have been a Noel's house party thing. Was it Noel's house party, or was it the kids one, the fun fun house? <laughs> I don't was know. Fun house, not Noel. the obstacle course one with all the guns. Uh, that get, was, that get was your own back too, though. Yeah, but whatever it was, yeah, you know, I've just I've always always loved ghost trains. So we came away from the fun fair, um, and I was ghost trainless, and my, my kids were mortified for me, and they were going, "That wasn't fair." I said, "Look, kids, it's my own fault, dudes." You know, it's like if I was half the size, the woman wouldn't be giving me grief. So don't you worry. I will go and have some burgers as a consolation prize here. So like, <laughs> helpful option. Helpful, healthy option. I need to get my life back on track. Burgers and hobbies. But I have, uh, I, I digress. Basically, I've been getting back into the spring clean challenge. And it's funny I should mention ghost trains because um, I have a number of stalled projects, you might say. Okay. A number of. Hmm. Yes, like many, I am a hobby butterfly, mm-hmm. and I will jump from one project to the next until such times as something something comes across me, and, and I think to myself, "I'm going to get that one done." One of my ambitions—you all know I love fantasy armies, okay—and yeah. now you know I love ghost trains, okay. So, one of the things I've always wanted was a army of the dead kind of army, right? Inspired by armies of darkness of Bruce Campbell thing. Yeah, that was coming. Okay. Quality. So lots of skeletons and uh and and stuff like that there, you know. I actually am quite weird that way in that I am not a massive fan of the mixing my monsters too much mm. okay so uh, so i don't particularly like mixing my werewolves or even my draculas mm. into my uh, into my undead armies even though the draculas is a slightly better fit but um i'm i'm a bit you know so i like i like the purity of it okay and you all know that all of my fantasy armies uh, now are completely agnostic 
to rules. I just build shit I like the look of, and I think it would look great in the table, and I think it would be fun to play. So, in the past, I had some a couple of boxes of Night Hunts, mm. because um, of all the Age of Sigmar stuff that I wasn't particularly fussed on, they were gorgeous, okay? One of the most beautiful sets of models, albeit delicate, not built for my hands, and the F and M Jeff and I have done trying to put them together, and the number of bits that have broken off them in, <laughs> during this whole process, but they are gorgeous models. I had a bucket of them sitting, um, and I decided I was just going to, yeah, if you go to the second picture, there, there's some of the, basically, I just had a bunch of them that I had primed with like a gray sear. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd loosely attached them to the base because I'd always planned to put them onto my own uh, 2P yeah, 3D printed bases. So I just, um, I, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to do that. But the other thing that I've always wanted to do was to build a skeleton army. So I thought, right, ghosts and skeletons, that will go together. That, that will work well. So um, War Games Atlantic to the rescue and a couple of mystery sprues that I had lying around that I had no idea what they were, but I think they've turned out to be Games Workshop screws. Sprues. Sprues. Yes. Ready and slip. Yes. Well, you'd know if they were Warlord games because I think all the legs were separate and the hips were separate <gasps> and the torsos were separate because I oh my God. of them. Please no. And uh, I was never so happy to see classic fantasy skeletons come out from yes. Games Atlantic. Yes. Never was like, oh, they've got one body. I have really liked these. Now, I was worried that they were all going to be too Greek, mm. um, but they're not, okay? Um, the I don't use the Greek heads. I haven't used the Greek shields. Um, so as Greek as they get is kind of the bows. Yeah. The bows would be as Greek as they get. But to be fair, they're a fairly f fantasy yeah. short bow <clears throat> yeah. anyway. Re so short bow, you're fine. You're good to go. Yeah, and you're, you're, you know, spear, spear. Now, the skellies, uh, I actually think that the skellies uh, turn out even better than the ones on the box. Um, mm. So um, I basically opened the box and mm. I started clipping. And oh boy, did I start clipping. So um, this is an interesting uh, project in that I'm double dunting this. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a lot of role playing with uh, my children, my youngest boy, who's five, suddenly something clicked and he wanted to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, uh, so I've been RPGing with my kids and we're working through an undead scenario at the moment with lots of skeletons and stuff. So I thought I can kill two birds with one stone here. I'll make these skeletons army, but I'll make the skeletons. I can actually use them in the RPG that I'm playing. So I have some skeleton shamblers. So they're just skellies with no weapons. I have lightly weaponized skellies with just swords. And then I have heavier skellies with uh, swords and shields and some armor. Oh, bat armor and stuff. Pieces. Just as yeah. well, Lloyd's in another country. He'd be freaking out right now. Yeah, he'd be. Bat armor. Well, Can't be having it. Bat armor. It has to be bat armor. Um, so then uh, uh, the bases are my legendary, mm. by now, 2P bases. So they're 3D printed. That little slot at the bottom is where you glue a 2P. And it makes, for someone that has uh, the clumsiness that I have, um, uh, so it, it 
basically it's a dyspraxia. I can't not drop stuff. I just drop stuff left, right, and center. But I find that if I, it has a bit of weight to it, um, it's like a weeble. The the lower center of gravity less yes. likely to. Uh, that and the fact that I'm able to, if it has weight to it, I feel I I, I feel more confident, confident moving it around. I don't know what it is, but this is this is just how I'm programmed. So that bunch of little gravestones, cork and bicarbonate of soda with a great big dollop of super glue. Mm. Big problems on the super glue market, boys. Gotta tell you. Yeah. Poundland pre-pandemic, five super glues for a pound. Yep. Poundland post-pandemic, post-war, post-everybody sticking the arm in. Two super glues for a pound. Mm. It's inflation for you. Not now, happy now, about that. There's ah, inflation. Uh, that's one that the uh, the Office for National Statistics should be basing their inflation basket on. How many super glues out of Poundland for a pound? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I remember going in there at times and picking up maybe 10 packs of five. Mm-hmm. And just shamefacedly going up to the counter going, I swear it's for work. I am yep. not huffing the fumes. So this is the paint scheme that I went for for my night haunts at the at the end of the day. Um, the the basing and all is not done. The wee gravestones aren't done. I'm going to try. John was taking me through um, a tip for doing the gravestones using a toothbrush. Now I haven't I haven't started trying that yet, but that will be going to cover up the models and then flick some paint um, at the gravestones to try and give it that kind of be like any kind of, um, effect. Oh, yeah. Have you ever done a jerry can on how to do that kind of thing? I have. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. The, uh, the way I did it, and it might be more than you can be arsed with. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, but I use pigment powders. And so I, I threw a regular wash on like an yep. Agrax or a null or whatever on the stonework. Uh-huh. And then I mix pigment powders with, uh, rubbing alcohol and uh-huh. sp- and sprayed them on with a toothbrush and the alcohol repels the wash and then wicks away very quickly and it gives a really nice lichen thing so i just sit there with like, a yellow and a white going flick 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 flick, flick. is that on the jerry can yeah it's okay. I get it on some fugu buildings right if any of you at home don't know what jerry can is 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 the world famous series where if anyone can, Jerry can. Jerry can. Um, uh, so if you, if you hop it, I tell you what, next week, okay, mm-hmm. um, because we don't have a weekender, yes, and we put that Jerry can out on Friday night yeah. so as everybody can see Jerry flicking toothbrushes. Flicking. flicking uh, like. The only thing that would need to be done is the project file to be found and it rendered out in 1080p to go up to YouTube. I'm Grand. Sure I'm sure everybody needed public. to know that. A simple yes would have done. <laughs> right. Anyway, so the little dudes, okay, they're painted with a moot green. <laughs> then after the moot green, I hit them with a hex flame. And then after the hex flame, I dry brush them with a weird light minty green. Oh, it's so minty. The weird light minty green. A weird light minty green. And this it's a nice blaster simple blaster green. That one. That's the one. That is it. It's blaster green. See, I pay attention to what you're doing. Yes. Oh. So um uh, uh so I've the, the gravestones to do and I have the final bit of basing to do, but I'm happy enough with that. Mm. I like that kind of green haunted ghosty kind of a thing. So Scooby-Doo ghosts. It is. It is the Scooby-Doo ghosts. Oh. And and, oh. and for me, oh. look, 
Sprinkling challenges about ticking a box for me, about getting something out and done. And I've reached the stage of my life that done is better than perfect. Yes. Yeah, you know, done is even better than good in my in my opinion these days. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 happy with it. It's easy to do. If it was any more complex than this, it would probably not get done. I'll be honest. Um I it's so I'm just keeping it simple. I'm getting it done so as I can chuck an army on the table or chuck a few minis on the table for a bit of role playing. As my father would say, it's not just good. It's good enough. DFR. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, this is my final little bit of basing other than the rimming. I haven't done the rimming or the gravestones on this one yet either, but, um, but uh, just to give it a little bit of, um, yeah, a little bit of dead grassy tuft kind of a thing. So as you can see, there's no rocket science to a lot of this, but I tell you what, it ain't half satisfying to look at it. The yeah. basing, that realistic basing with the really weird green for the ghost, just oh, it does something. It does something that makes me smile because the basing looks realistic, <laughs> and the rest of it is just so abstract. It's, it's so just, Scooby Doo. Yeah, it is. It is really Scooby Doo. Um, I think the next picture is the skellies and how they're yeah. turning out as well. Yeah, and um, yeah, nice. And these happy in, skellies. In contrast to the uh, to the ghosts, these look a lot more grounded, for want of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because some of my ghosts um, are actually pulling skellies out of the ground, um, um, which is kind of cool. So um, I, I hadn't thought about a, a rule, not those ones, but there's big, uh, big swirly ones somewhere, and they're pulling they're pulling ghosts out. Oh well, I suppose yeah, you've got so things like this here. Yeah. But um, no, I'm uh, you know I, I've uh, so far so good, and it's turning into quite a sizable army, um, because I'm you know I'm about to do another big batch of skellies just to fill out. I did enough to do my RPG work, hmm. um, and now I'm going to go back in and fill them out um, with some big ass units of of skelly bobs. It's really interesting big. that you chose like a bronzy color for all the the weapon blades. So, uh, yes, well, super it, rust. Uh, yeah, it was just because I happened to have it and it was easy and it was fast. <laughs> and it didn't and it didn't require much effort at all. This is real low effort stuff, guys. You know, it's like the the flash of red, the only fabric color in the whole army will be red mm. so just uh, flashes of red here and there um all of the metallics are basically you know that kind of bronzy kind of a color um i might hit the sword jet sword edges with a little bit of a dry, dry brush, brush a flick of the the silver for a flash of the blade kind of effect remember um, though if you do it on one you gotta do it, gotta on, do all. it on all yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly so I'm in no panic. <laughs> I'm in no panic whatsoever. It's um, but it all inspired me so much that I decided to do a wee bit of 3D printing mm. uh, because it's the other part of the hobby that I have now um, uh, neglected for well two and a bit years. Mm-hmm. We all talk about the 3D printing, but I hadn't actually done any 3d printing and i'd had a nice 3d printer that i bought myself um but i had uh, so many failures with it that i gave up i never turned it on um uh, so i thought to myself do you know what 
this army deserves some cool stuff. So I have a wee collection of models that from printable scenery printable to scenery, yeah. still one of my favorites of all the 3D printer dudes out there. Those guys are still one of my favorites. And this is their battering ram. So I thought to myself, oh, make, make these guys kind of CG. Mm -hmm. um, uh, th that whole army of darkness thing again, where they're attacking, yeah, the, attacking castle. the castle. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll work on the, the siege kind of stuff. So um, this was printed on my FDM, which is a Corality CR-10S Pro. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. It's a decent sized bed Creality. And I had all the same problems I had <laughs> when I switched it off <laughs> two and a half years ago. But the difference this time was Spring Clean Challenge made me think, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go in and research it. And it is interesting that whenever you actually do start to read about why um, prints fail, it's not for the reasons that I thought. I thought it was to do with the nozzle height from the bed, but it was more to do with temperatures and things like that. Mm -hmm. And some materials are just not nice to print with, like ABS, for example. ABS does not want to stick to the bed. <laughs> so I have a couple of rolls of ABS if anybody wants them. Um, I just went right back to PLA again. So well, sure, you remember, Warren, we actually used to have like a spray glue that we would spray onto the bed. Hairspray would do that. Yeah, hairspray would do that. So so far for the for the army of the dead, mm -hmm. okay, I printed two of them big wheeled catapulty kind of jobbies, um, ball launchers. Yeah. Um, I printed a battering ram, and I printed uh, some what are they called? Scorpions? Them kind of um, bolt throwers, Romanesque yeah. bolt thrower kind of things. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, you know, my prints, uh, my prints were okay. I also found these cool little um, bolts that are flying through with flames. I'm going to paint them green so that the bolt throwers are actually um, have the option to do some magic flames as well. So magical magic, damage, magic kind of bolts. So it's it. I I'm looking at them now. It's difficult to see in white. Yeah, um, how they've turned out. Yeah, and look, little. you know, they're not. Uh, it's not like a resin print. Um, uh, uh, let's let's be honest about that. It's not like a resin print. But for me, hey, um, I'm happy enough with it. Didn't I'm happy rightly. enough with it. Yeah. As you'll see a wee bit later on, I've I've actually chucked some paint on them and literally chucked paint on them. Um, so right, where are we at? So there's okay, more skellies, the shamblers, and uh, yes, there's my shamblers. I think some of these maybe. Duplicate. That might be rip duplicates. Yep. Yeah. So if we go across, dum, dum, dum. Um, the other thing, yes, whirlwinds, tornadoes. It's a twister. It's a twister. So we were talking about um, a body for the, uh, the like a, a commander for the army still haven't settled on one yet but i, I think i have found a, a cool 3d model that i might go with right mm -hmm. but we had talked about him being on a kind of like a tornado and stuff but then i thought to myself actually i haven't decided who's going to do it yet but what i'm going to do is i'm going to print some tornadoes and paint them up green so they're ghost tornadoes mm -hmm. and use them as magic spells with the army so that these tornadoes are kind of launched out. And I'm just going to give them rules, something similar to, is it Goblin Fanatics from back in the day? 
Do you know the wee ones that were the wee balls? Yeah, yeah the balls spun around ones. and went yeah. in random directions random and stuff directions. like that. Yeah. And yeah. then like goblins, and then uh, would deal unholy damage to anyone. There, there was. I mean, going back to well, it was in multiple editions, but I remember first edition fantasy um, a spell called Wind of Death, and depending on how high a level your necromancer was was how just completely ridiculous it was. And I was at a tournament and a fella set up like four necromancers at the back of the board. And that was his army. All all his points had gone into those. He then spammed Wind of Death. And then two turns before people arrived, he just raised an entire army for free. It was unholy filth. Oh! <laughs> I had to pause there well, momentarily and work out what word I Would you believe that finding a tornado to print is actually not easy at all. Yeah. Um, there are very few of them out there. I found one. Mm-hmm. And all four of those models are warps of that one, mm-hmm. uh, where I went in and rescaled and flipped its X axis and uh, done all sorts of things to give me three or four um, different kind of looking uh, whirlwinds. If you're wondering what the wee dots are, okay, what I've noticed is, so I'm using this PEI kind of plate. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrea bought it for me for uh, a present because I had managed to pie plate. cut myself. The other plate, the, the print stuck to it so well, you could never get them off. And I had to go in with a scraper. And I managed wow. to slice my hand and stuff. And I said, right, enough of that. Is there nothing better out there? And I said, well, this PIE or PEI stuff, um, when the print cools, it just slides off. But while it's when the bed's hot, it stays stuck. So it was great, but it's not infallible. And what I found is if you're printing a tall print, okay, the print can start to wobble and lift off the bed. Mm-hmm. So all these little <laughs> dots are actually whirlwinds reduced <laughs> down to 0.01 of a millimeter. Okay, to give it something and to key to placed on it to expand to ex- expand the raft that the whole thing is printed on, so as to give it the stability. See, I learned another thing. So, and you can go ahead and use that for basing up a swamp or forest base. I never thought of that. There's a there's going, a good point. Ah, this is a good uh, use of waste. Yeah, yeah. Go and take it so, out. So. After that, I then got out my spray cans. Oh. So prime black zenith um, with the with the grace here. Grace here. Um, I went with the grace here. Now that's interesting for me because I was always a wraith bone man, and I thought with doing skellies and stuff I would go down the wraith bone route, but I didn't <laughs> because I didn't have any. So I went <laughs> down the I went down the grace here route, and I loved the final results of it. I, and I, I've, I'm a total convert to the to the grace here. So necessity is the mother of invention. It really is, and there's, um, there's both roads look really yeah. small once you once you can actually see them once. They're not yeah, blowing out the thing is, I'm printing yeah. wood. Mm. I don't mind printing wood on an FDM machine because stepping is not an issue. Stepping yeah, is it doesn't um, matter. Yeah. You know, stepping um, is texture. Stepping mm. is a feature. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah um I then modeled Muskelly's. <laughs> yeah, He's enjoying himself. So if you go back, I don't know if there's a uh, yeah. So they, these are the guys that are, are doing the what do you, what do you call them things? 
catapult. Oh, it is a catapult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought right, there was so, a counterweight on it, but there's not a big uh, weight. No, there's there's, there's there's skellies yeah. pulling on the back of it. So the, I I modelled the skellies. These are all the War Games Atlantic ones. Mm. Um, and I modeled them and reworked them and stuff so they would be pulling ropes and pointing. And then that wee guy at the back, I just thought to myself, wouldn't it be hilarious if he forgot to let go? Forgot to let go and it's just being... And he's just being... It's, it's very evil dead. Yeah. <laughs> so so he forgot to let go. He's hanging on for dear life. Oh um, and then uh, I think the other skellies then are all pointing at him. And then this is where I've started to just chuck some contrast paints down on them. And yeah, I just... Just throwing paint at it, literally throwing paint at it. Speed, yes, it's all about. Um, I I may go in with a dry brush, (laughs) um, but you know, even if I missed a bit of his leg, you little shite. (laughs) Oh, oh, just in underneath. Oh, thought I'd got him. This is one thing I discovered many, many moons ago. When you're painting stuff, white light is the ultimate because you can see every spot that you missed. He's got yeah. his big arch light, though. Mm. Yeah, this is all happening under my arch light. Yeah. Oh, then he uh, just screwed up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's lots of little nooks and crannies in these things. So you know, I'm, I'm seeing an awful lot of grey actually when I look down in the the edges of them wooden oh, panels. Yeah, never look back. Uh, but do you know what? I think uh, if I can find an old dirty down spray, I'll soon fix that. So. <laughs> But yeah, I'm just uh, just keeping it simple, chucking it all together. So, and uh, you know, I think you you might even see one of me. Oh yeah, there's a there's another flash of the red. Yep, and tearing. And please, like, uh, the, the War Games Atlantic stuff. You know, with, you know, I've done more skellies that I haven't carried any weapons, and I've done with skellies that are actually carrying weapons, and I found them to be fairly flexible um, in terms of you know how I model them and, and yeah. put them down. So. They look well, especially whenever you're dropping them in as crew for stuff. Because that's yeah. always the if you're picking up a a bolt through a war machine, whatever it happens to be from somewhere, and it's for an, a different army, then you're always left with that how am I going to crew it type yeah. of thing. Um and at least here you're not having to worry about the fact that they're covered in armor or carrying shields or any nonsense like that. They, no. they look like they're doing the do. He's yeah. our random pleb number three that has been yeah. raised from the yeah. graveyard. And let me just, you know, I want to point out some stuff here mm-hmm. on that particular picture, right? This is the get it done picture mm-hmm. because on the side of that skelly's leg, you can still see a chunk of the sprue stick into his leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So um, just get it done. I, you know, like nobody, honestly, when I chuck it down um, on the tabletop, it looks great. And I get to play with toys. And that's, that's what it's all about for me now. I just, I just, just want to play with some toys. So I'm really pleased with how they're coming on. And I think once I've got the basing and all done right across the entire army, mm-hmm. um, it'll be, um, it'll be kind of, it'll be kind of interesting. So I have one more, um, mm, one more thing that I'm thinking of doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had planned for my two catapults to be the the centerpiece for the army. Okay. Okay. And then I'd planned, well, maybe my whirlwind's coming out of my arse (laughs) or my wizard's arse. Yes. Um, will be the centerpiece um of my army. Um but I think I'm going to do them an oversized siege tower. Ooh. All of my armies, I normally printed them a 
um, a tower. You know, like a, yeah. like a um, so my dwarves a have a bit of terrain. They and, have a, yeah. a big piece of terrain, a big stone tower. For these guys, I was thinking if I could get a tower of skulls, maybe. But what I'm thinking of doing is actually, no, I'm just going to make them the biggest ass siege tower you've ever seen. So um, there is a siege tower that by our buddies and mm. the principal scenery. And what I intend to do is to scale that up slightly and print a bunch of extra levels. So it's going to be the tallest, lankiest kind of weird um, held together with all sorts of bits of bone and stuff like that siege tower you've ever seen. Um, I think that's going to be the centerpiece of this, uh, of this particular army. And that will round it out that that will be my project for uh, the 2023 spring clean challenge. Mm-hmm. So that right. do you have your discord it. open? Yes. Well, here's the one for printable scenery I would use for them, Warren. I'll just pass it to Jerry there. Pass it to me. Jumpers for goalposts. Yes. Well, by the medium of discord. Look at this. Looking stuff up as we go. It'll never catch on. Oh, I like the look of that. Stackable modular rune bell tower and sept. Maybe. I would like Maybe. the idea of that. Because it's a bit static. Rune. And I know I, I, all the rest of them all have towers that are static. Um, but for this army, because of its um, focus on sieging, it, it's just I, I, I'm going to give it that, that siege tower on wheels yeah. being okay. pushed forward by... And maybe even dragged forward by a billion skellies, you know, with ropes and uh, uh, and the likes. So just something, something really weird and out there. Oh, fair so. enough. I mean, it's it's something that honestly I would love to get back to doing is printing out some of the stuff from the folks at Printable Scenery for gaming tables in the office. You and John have an amazing three D printer in, in the studio between you. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if I can remember the the login that we had for Printable Scenery. Hmm. That's Anyhow, I look, I hope you guys at home don't mind. Um, uh, I, uh, we, we wanted to shake the show up this week, so there'll be a little bit less of the other stuff going on. But I wanted to share some hobby with you. And, you know, the Spring Clean Challenge, um, I missed it last year. And it, it happens to us all. Sometimes you're just not in the frame of mind for, for some of these uh, kinds of things. But thankfully this year, it just clicked for me. And... Um, by making sure that I don't um, put pressure on myself. Like I'm not, everybody gets different things out of the hobby. And I'm just here to say that it's okay to just go for okay. You know, it's a, you know, it perfect is the enemy of done. Yes. That makes me happy. Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, that, that that's all this hobby is about, really, is is about doing something that, that that makes you happy. Whenever I'm finished with this project, I have two things. One is, um, uh, someday I will play a fantasy game with this. <laughs> someday, someday, someday. But until that day, I have a great wee collection that that will sit in a nice cabinet, and I can play around with some LED lights shining on bits and pieces of it here. And then whenever I'm role playing with my kids or whatever, I can go in and I can just grab an armful of stuff, and I can say, "Kids, tonight you're going to be taking on a siege tower, and here's how we're going to do it. It's the yeah, way well, to do it and make it up." 
So um, yeah, pe- people need if you want to get involved, you can win prizes. Yes. Um, but just come over to ontabletop.com. If you don't already have an account, make a free account. Go to the project system, which you'll find up here. You can go and have a look at previous year's entries or this year's entries, and then just create a project. Find something that's been kicking around, yeah. gathering dust, or you know, you, you lost the urge after you built them all and haven't got around to priming them yet. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff sitting in my house. Something I know. languishing um, away that's yeah. been sitting staring at you from a shelf. You've got months to complete it as well. And if you don't complete it, at least you have something out of it, you know. Progress you is progress. Don't need to get did you show it. the picture of how my whirlwind turned out? I did. I showed we the did. picture of how you Oh, the, uh, the green the one, green, yes. Green whirlwind. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really pleased. And the interesting thing about that is that the step lines from FDM didn't really impact that one either, that, no. that print. No. So it, 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 it turned out pretty good too. So, I yeah. Like, I do like the idea of using it like a fanatic though, because then it doesn't require any clever magical thing yeah there's no this i like that idea as well because i to me it was clearly a case of you unleash it and just let it do its thing you know uh and it and it keeps going till it doesn't until once well once because if you play it like a fanatic once you hit a double yeah that's that's the point where it just poofs Mm -hmm. runs out of wind goes away and who knows what devastation will be wrought before then yeah and it, it gives that chaotic aspect uh, to the whole thing you can see an angry uh an angry necromancer or something like that just going with his whirlwinds of do also wicked witches of the west will do that also right <laughs> There, there was me thinking it might go like uh, the spleen from uh, mystery man oh no the weapons check on that note i think we're going to take a quick swish and we'll be right back. Coming to you from the center of Northwestern Europe. Covering board games, war games, card games, and all that sh- you love. It's the motherfucking news. <laughs> okay, we are back and we're going to be taking a look at the news. And Adepticon is gone, but it is the gift that keeps on giving. Because after we went to our beds last week, uh, Gale Force 9 announced that they've got the license to play in Star Trek. And uh, the big news for them was the away missions, which is an interesting looking thing. Uh, a compact gang-based board game uh, that lets you play out something akin to Warhammer Underworld. So uh, the, the miniatures will come with a, a specific deck of cards as to how they act and, and work on the tabletop. Uh, the core set itself is Battle of Wolf 359, mm-hmm. uh, containing Lucutus of the Borg. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Existence is futile. Yes, uh, or uh, everybody's favourite Picard with uh, emo, emo outfit on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up against um, Commander Riker's away team, which contains uh, Riker, Worf, Data and Shelby. Not Beverly Crusher, as many people guessed. Uh-huh. Um, it's not that every every away team needs uh, a red shirt, but in this case, if you have one, you may as well use one. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the three main ones are probably kind of brutal. Yeah, well, you've got Worf. You've got an android who spends his time beating Worf up every chance he gets. Yes. Right. As far as I remember from TNG, every other episode, Data went rogue and would beat up Worf. Worf's job, <laughs> from what I can tell, right? Everybody knew he was, a, he was a Klingon and a warrior, and therefore to show how great the threat was, if they could take down Worf in short order, 
then they were a terrible threat and really strong and which meant Worf spent an awful lot of time on his backside getting beat up yeah <laughs> getting um, which you know is harsh harsh but fair I feel what do you think of the look I really I like, like it. it I, I thought like I like the, the the stylistic uh, approach that they've taken to this I like the See, art direction it's almost given me vibes of lower decks well well this is the thing they've they've gone for 40 mil or maybe 45 mil models because you've got a low model count um apparently they when they looked at it initially they were going to go for 28 and at 28 mil you couldn't really see who was who especially in the humans yeah um they've not really got any differentiation and everybody in the federation looks like they're wearing pajamas um, yeah so they've gone for a larger scale and they've also gone for caricature 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 that's the bunny yeah. um look and i think that makes a lot of sense because as they expand from TNG into classics or into Discovery or into um, oh, Lower Decks or any of those, they've all got their own unique style as far as the TV series goes. But then you've also got the possibility of playing around with the cartoon stuff. Mm. And if you've got a, an ultra-realistic version, then you run yeah. into problems when you attempt to try and translate a cartoon onto the tabletop with with other factions because when you start playing these away missions um so, uh, you know it's a 1v1 game you're, you're building your your group whoever it happens to be but you're not tied to tng only when other stuff comes out down the line you might want to throw Riker up against zulu leading some sort of mad uh, original crew or you know, with Gorns or whatever else happens to come down the, the path in the future. So I, so I quite like Q it. You turned up and just went, snap. Yeah, fun. that type of thing. It's, I, it, it also looks really collectible to me. You know, I, I'm looking at it going, I, I would love to have that, you know, especially if I could paint them up roughly <laughs> you know, and and put them into a wee cabinet and you have the whole Star Trek there in that in that cabinet. Well, here, here's a question for you. Who would be your ultimate away team, Warren? In fact, just I'll ask everyone, who would be your ultimate away team? Well, as you can see here, there's two, four, six of these tubes coming at you, like Cleopatra, compared to four in Riker's away team. So it's it's not a, a it's not a standard away team size. You can have anything you want, yeah. in which case I would have Miles O'Brien leading, I don't know, 150 red shirts. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it would be Kirk, Riker, Troy. Probably will need a doctor as well. Bones, Bones, yeah. Bones has seen it all, so he'll he'll be able to help. Whatever transpires from that Kirk, Riker, Troy scenario. Yeah, <laughs> and you could always have Scott Bakula in there as well, just uh, <laughs> leaping from place to place, trying to put yes. right what once went wrong. <laughs> Uh, see, I would go Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Quark's Ferengi acquisition team with him, Nog, Rom, and the others. Oh, no for the Gold Press Latman. I tell you what, my favorite Star Trek at the moment mm. is The Strange New Worlds. Um, uh, so if I could play out some stuff, I would love to see Pike and uh, and some of his crew. Um, because well, I'm really enjoying yeah. that. I've That's probably only a matter of yet. time. Oh, it's super good. Super good. Oh, there's the Klingons. The yeah. Klingon sisters are in there. Yay. Yeah. The box yeah. set will launch with uh, the two in the core set, but then there's also going to be two additional packs. So you're going to have Garon's team, uh, uh -huh. which in any sort of way, shape, or form is just going to be a brutal, stabby warrior hammer. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Not a not a fine scalpel, uh, just a, a huge chainsaw coming at you. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that uh-huh. and you know, if they're disarmed, they do have concealed weaponry in their yeah. uniforms. If they're disarmed, they just headbutt you. Look at the heads on them. They do you some blasting damage. Seriously. Star yeah. <laughs> um, Trek teaches us you're you're all about the forehead. Yeah, all about the forehead. Uh, and the other thing, and I was really, really happy to see this, is the Romulan expansion, which has got uh, Commander Sella in it. Um, do you remember Tasha Yar? Oh, um, yeah. Original her, her series. Yar's daughter. timey-wimey daughter. Yeah. Her, yes, her, her Romulan, half-Romulan hybrid daughter from the future type of thing. Um, is, is leading oh, the Romulans and man, they play. I remember 1987, 1988 when I had a haircut just like that. <laughs> and it was there was nothing, nothing wrong with the Romulan bull cut. <laughs> I thought it's it's the melon cat now. It's, it's... The melon, yes, the melon cat as well, and the right color for it as well. Yeah. Mm. I but uh, I know you're saying about painting them up, and you could, you could, especially comic book style, you know, mm. in the character. Yeah, you could that sort of thing. But I like the fact that you can just grab the box, crack it open, and get. I tell you what, I really like the game tiles. Um, uh, I really like the the exploratory nature of this. I'm looking forward to trying this game because, you know, you're wandering around the deck there. There's operations, science, biology lab. This all looks really interesting uh, to me. And it really, you know, it's, I'm interested to see where this goes, actually. Mm Really interested to see where this goes because that game board has me absolutely intrigued. It has a very absolutely intrigued. It has a very next gen. You know the way they would always have stuff in the background. You know their their computer screens in the next yeah. gen, yep. which all had these sort of yellow blue colors and that sort of flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the the forty five degree angles that are curved and stuff like that. I mean so, that's that's the Enterprise Bridge. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the next gen bridge. I but the the actual background does but, look but, like those computer yeah. screens as if it's been lit yeah. up on one of the monitors. Mm-hmm. I like it. it it'll yeah. be interesting to see where it goes and whether or not because no Warhammer Underworlds has has got a, a lot of fans behind the the style and, and way the game plays and how you can customize your your your, your gangs underworld gangs with the the deck that you use and the cards that you choose to include or or drop out and um, this has the potential to do that for uh, a completely different genre so you could have a an awful lot of interesting combinations or changes over time as well yeah um, so yeah i'm looking looking forward to seeing more about it and uh, finding out what it's all about when it comes out i believe in july uh, is the aim for this at the moment. So Happy days are not too far away from that then. I'm still no. trying to figure out what my away team would be. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's, it's I just imagine. Are there many tanks? No. What What were the three data brothers? Lore, oh, data, 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 lore, and... B, I think it was called B oh, something. Oh, I can't remember. We just have those. Behave, baby. <laughs> Honestly... Honestly, my, my away team would have to be the likes of Riker, Yar. Um, I'd throw Kirk in there just for badness. I well. think the Riker-Kirk combo. I oh. think half the galaxy. <laughs> half the galaxy knows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they dropped, they dropped Riker in as a first officer because he is essentially Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. And and the idea was, is this bald British guy drinking tea, yeah. being very dull, is he going to put people off? And if he was, then the idea was just kill him off, replace him with the Kirk clone. Uh-huh. That 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 was the idea behind the the setup when they, they went to do the next generation. But more impressively, years later, Shatner wrote um, a next gen book 
with Kirk in it. And he gave backstory that didn't exist in the next generation. He made Riker one of, you know, like uh Khan, Khan's genetically engineered yeah. people. Yeah. So he he made him a descendant of that. So he was super tough. And it was just a story about how the, the Enterprise had been taken over and how Kirk had to beat up all of the next gen crew to to, to save the day. So it's just like, and then I, I'd be up Data and then I'd be up Dwarf. No, I, I was well, great. Here, here's the thing. You can have two Rikers, John. Yeah, I know. You can do double Riker. Oh, yeah. Good, one with yeah. beard, one without. Because You never go Riker, double Riker. I did in the show. As Q said, you know, you were far more, you were far less interesting before the beard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking of his transporter club. The, the transporter pad accident, yeah, where he, he got left behind in the buffer it, from that test. Yeah. I'm, I'm, up to, yeah. I'm up to season six in, in next gen now. Like, oh, we when, when When is there not a transporter incident? Oh, it's mostly what things do these days. Yeah. Right. Uh, leaving the far future. And we're going to take a look at the relatively recent past, uh, at least for Ireland anyway, so only four to five hundred years ago. <laughs> the uh, fighting Irish are coming from Flags of War uh, to join their game of Border Wars. Uh, so last year, slash early this year, they ran a Kickstarter last year and then delivered it early this year for um, Under Reaver Moon, which is all about fighting between the English and Scots along the border marches. Uh, a lot of cattle raiding back and forth, <coughs> a lot of ruhahas and that sort of thing. However, it's that period of time where there was also a bit of raiding back and forth from Ireland and also then the Tudor sort of uh, and Elizabethan conquests of Ireland. So you had all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, to that end, they've thrown in some Irish. So you can now play English against the Scots, English against the Irish, Irish against the Irish, do a bit of clan wars, whatever you want. Uh, so this is a little pack, little packlet, a warband-esque um, for your games of Border Wars. Uh, small, perfectly formed, commanded by the O'Neill. Uh, oh, ho. Which is probably the, uh, the fellow responsible for Flight of the Earls, Hugh, uh, looking dramatic. Now, is that very dashing? Bridge O'Neill? Or is that Limbaddy O'Neill? This would be Dungannon, I think. Dungannon O'Neill. Uh, right. Right. He, he was clan chief at the time, so they, they, uh -huh. were, all, they were all bowing down to him. Um, he, he managed to annoy quite a lot of people over his time. Well, he he does was the O'Neill. Oh, dear. Anyway, apart from, apart from the majestic mounted man, who's only on that pony so he can ride off very quickly towards Spain when things go horribly wrong. Uh, there's also a set of three Galloglass. Uh, so Galloglass were the Norse mercenaries, Haberno Norse, Norse Gale, whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. uh, who pretty much went DNX and helmet and chainmail. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and we'll stay with that for the next 600 years. Development warfare, you say? Uh, I've got a big axe. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Actually, okay, then no. we'll get the occasional claymore in there just to, you know, mix it up a bit. But, you know, mostly, well, you know, mostly you they spend their time. They spent their time battering the ever-living hell out of everybody. Uh, apparently, the English were quite, quite confused when they arrived to discover that there appeared to be some sort of Viking DNAx wielding lunatics were still very much part of warfare. And, and then they charged and went, oh, my God, this is this all gone horribly wrong. Um, so, yeah. They are the, the sort of the elites, the bodyguards for a lot of uh, nobility in Ireland at this period. Um, 
and they they sort of come with their own squires uh, to carry their stuff and do a little bit of light skirmishing on the side. Um, so alongside them, you get the sort of the kerns, so bow and javelin based, and even just you know sword and spear or sword and sword and shield, sword and board, as the man says. So mm -hmm. it's a really nice set of figures. They have a very there's a, a famous drawing of gallo glass and cairns by a German um, illustrator from about early 1500s, 1510, 1512, something like that, Albrecht Dürer. And Dürer's little sort of hand-drawn uh, illustration um, has been replicated many times over the years by various companies um, because it's just so quintessential. There were some gallo glass mercenaries wandering around Probably Germany might have been Switzerland at the time. Who knows? They get everywhere. Uh, so things like the uh, the Claymore wielding guy is is one of one of those definitely in this cairn with the, the sort of Lockerbie style axe uh, in the centre is another that comes sort of from that picture. So it's a it's a really nice set of sculpts. And I like flags of war tend to do one piece metals. The idea is you get a you stick it down and you're good to go. Not, not loads of fiddly little pieces like shields and spears may have to be glued on or in the case of that horse and rider, you may find that the rider is separate and the horse is missing a leg type of thing for casting. But, um, but they're very, they're very nice sculpts, very clean and uh, go together beautifully. I know because I backed the Kickstarter and I've got a rake of border wars sitting behind me somewhere. I was going to try and find it for the show, but I uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah>, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not going to happen here. But yeah, uh, they're on pre-order at the moment. Uh, and the Border Wars under Reaver Moon is a, an interesting little, little set of uh, rules where you can just do sort of narrative skirmishing, uh, spend your time stealing cattle, and then your friend tries to steal it back again. Uh, all the while, peasants are poking you with pitchforks as you come too close to the property. So, you know, it's good. It's good to uh, keep people on their toes, I feel. Fantastic. Mm. Right, next up. An expansion, an expansion for Blood and Valor, actually. Um, so if you're not a Cult of Games member, this week we've actually started doing a Blood and Valor vlog um, because we're putting together a couple of World War I armies for Blood and Valor by Firelock Games. So it's a, a World War I skirmish game. Uh, so we're just starting working on some Germans and uh, the French as well. However, with Adepticon, See, the gift that keeps on giving, I'm telling you. Uh, they've released a expansion. I don't know how to say expansion. It really does expand. It fills the room, so to speak. Uh, it's called The End of Empires. And the main rulebook for this is about 110 pages. This expansion is about 210 pages. Oof, it's, wow. it's an expansion with attitude. Um, so there's a lot going on in this. Essentially what they've done, the original book give you Western Front and a few other little sort of lists to build from uh, sort of mid to late war. So, you know, 1915, 1916 onwards uh, is sort of what you're looking at. With End of Empires, they went back and went, you know what, we need to add a few more bits and pieces to this. Uh, and so they did. They added um, Italy against Austro-Hungary. So you've got the Italian sort of southern flank. Uh, they added. Japan and China. So you've got the, the armies that fought there, Chinese warlords, Japanese for the, the 
Japu, Russian, Sano war type thing over there. Um, they added the Eastern Front, so you can do your Russians and Germans and Austro-Hungarians there as well. So they, they sort of filled all the gaps for World War One that were missing. And then they went completely off book. Uh, the reason it's called an end of empires is a lot of uh, countries obviously have various colonies or other other territories that they owned and then during world war one the the massive first great war uh they found that they could no longer contain them hold them uh cling on to them because their power was sort of devastated so they then went in and have added lists for all sorts of things that occurred during or after the first world war so where it was essentially a contributing factor the big one being the fall of the the russian czar uh, about a third of the books, like 70, 80 pages, are lists for the white and red armies, the Bolshevik armies, the, the armies, peasant armies, the Ukrainian <coughs> armies, all of these um, revolutions that occurred throughout this massive, massive country where there were so many territories held by the Tsar. Huge amount of detail there. Uh, I think Rufus and Kai got um, some support from guys in, in Europe who sort of know all about the background and details there because there's just so much going on just in the Russian area sphere of influence. Um, so it's like, like I say, like a third of the book is all about all of the stuff that kicked off there. Uh, and then there's like three pages for the Irish Revolutionary War, the Irish War <laughs> of Independence. So you've got um, the Royal Irish Constabulary with the Black and Tans and the IRA or Irish Volunteers, uh, IVF. As they were as they were at that stage so you can do your flying columns you can do your gpo that sort of thing as well um so it's really interesting that they've they've gone and went well, here's here's this expand upon it as you will and then they've also added in extra bits and pieces so there's um there's things like weather uh see how that can have an effect on games and it's a very small it's like, just like a little table going you know it reduces command or reduces firing effectiveness things like that um but i was also looking at going well it's a good jumping off point that this is the sort of idea for weather with fog and rain yeah. um, but you could start going well how would snow affect it and how would ice affect movement and things like that i, I like it as a jumping off point because you can just start to go they've given you a ton more new special rules as well uh, there's a really nice one i haven't seen who belongs to yet because they obviously certain lists will have certain you know units and forces but there's a deserter special rule <coughs> where if you can stagger enough fatigue onto a unit there's a chance that your opponent can get them on his side so he can spend oh. a command point, make a roll, shake off a bit of fatigue, and then they desert to him. At which point you're left. So, you know, so when you've got these, uh, and it'll be, I mean, it'll be tied to historically accurate periods, or there'll be specific people in there where it's like maybe they've been press ganged, didn't want to be fighting, and and you know what? Now they're not going to be fighting for you, but they're they're going to make sure that they get off there. Uh, so it gives you that sort of interesting concepts things i wouldn't think about including in a in a, in a standard sort of war game but quite good for narrative play and for um and for exploring other areas around the sort of the start of the 20th century which yeah. is cool and then a whole galvy bucket load of new vehicles and armored cars and stuff like that as well so you can kind of do do nots around the place so i like it. it it sets things up nicely for the interwar period um and you can sort of expand upon it therein as well 
a few little tweaks for the the, the main rule books if you want to use them if you want to do full cavalry uh, forces there's now options to you know stick your command on a on a horse or add a bagpiper as a musician to your command section to let people know that you're coming it, it also helps your commander out you know when he's giving orders and stuff but you know not, not worry about that it's mostly about the bagpiping which is why i'm here so it's um it's currently they sold out of everything they brought to adepticon i don't think it's made its way to europe yet although i've pre-ordered it from uh gaming shop in, in england but you can buy the pdf right now if you if you can do the scrolly thing with one of those tablet things that's how that works as far as i'm aware anyway <laughs> um if not you can just hold your wish and you'll be able to get um like i say 200 odd pages big bumper book um of first world war fun and i'm looking forward to playing the uh the tunnel fighting scenario where you're trying to set mines off below the trenches they've got like a a shrunk in version a skirmish of the skirmish where they go down to sort of single figures and you're fighting blind in the tunnels below the the, the Solomon and the uh nice western front i, I so, really want to build like a modular table where you can just pull out sections as you mine towards each other yeah yeah it'd, it'd be really interesting i mean obviously you've got that fog of war thing going on i yeah. haven't read through the full system yet or the the, the full scenario rather because they've added a, like a bunch of narrative scenarios and a bunch of just sort of balanced you know i'm going to bring 200 points you bring 200 points and we'll play here because that's a balanced scenario whereas the narrative ones are more kind of you you may be at a disadvantage type of thing so there may be some form of blip counter or you know that type of thing going on with it um i will find out not right now because we're filming the show but yeah. i will find out and i'll let you know time will tell but anyway yes we have in final bit of news just a little one teeny tiny one little susan to finish the news and that is salute is coming yes, uh, yes. salute is going to be 50 years old this year <laughs> and uh, as such they're going to be having a big big galvy bucket load of fun at the salute we will be there sons justin unfortunately yes i'm not gonna lie i am super disappointed to miss salute this year well you should be you should be you're gonna miss out on this figure oh um, man. come on please bring me one back well we'll see because last year well, what was last year the year before i can't even remember the last time we went to salute i completely forgot to buy anything i just didn't have time <laughs> spent all my time wandering around the place trying to see what was going on yeah, uh, so yeah all if, the gorgeous gaming deals if i can get near it i will uh this was somebody showing off how they paint i think it was kev actually kev painted normally and then painted with contrast just to show what you can do with it but i really like him i like the fact that to celebrate uh their anniversary they've gone with somebody who is celebrating having all the wealth in the world uh but there's going to be so much so much going on at salute itself this year um apart from the usual vendors and there's like 120 vendors are going to be there there's also going to be uh 90 plus gaming tables or games have been put on um so you can take your pick of a whole host of games over the day to see what you you fancy playing or check out some new bits and pieces as well uh, but they've also got a load of um not scenarios got some scenarios on the brain right now they're going to be having actual chats so panel chats this year where you can go in and 
check out things like building battlefield terrain or secrets of games design where they're going to be pulling in uh the great and the good from across the sort of the industry so people can see these sort of um uh panels and, and check them out and see what's going on which i've never seen them do at salute before because normally salute is one hall so i don't know if they're going to be cubbied off somewhere or if they're going to be in the hall on like some sort of stage or you know we'll, we'll see how that's going to happen but um they've got five of these panels running throughout the day so you'll be able to get involved and see what's happening with those and of course see us it's only three weeks away time flies doesn't it yeah shocking absolutely shocking so you can get your um, you can get your tickets uh, in advance or you can turn up on the day and uh, try and find ben shay and myself buy us drinks please buy a drink that's <coughs> the key I see. As soon as I don't turn up, he's organising mm. stuff. He's off doing other things. I always. You're misbehaving. One hundred percent. I mean, why would I not be doing it? <laughs> um, oh, Peachy will be with us as well this year, as as he generally is to keep an eye on um, all the painting stuff and painting competition. So, mm. so yes, we will be there, and uh, we'll be talking to everybody we can, filming as much as we can, and bringing that to you the, the week after when we get back to. Uh, bring you up to date if you are unable to make it to salute but if you can you really should yeah. it's an impressive impressive event from the south london warlords and uh, definitely worth checking out right that's me done for the news awesome. go away now <laughs> Okay, we're back to round off this week's show with some 3D printing. It is, I believe, the shit. That's what they it's, tell me. Totally is. It totally is. I, I am really getting back into it, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we've got this week. Well, we're going all continental. And this isn't because I've started doing two World War II armies, or sorry, World right. War One armies. Uh -huh. although, although it may have something to do with the fact that we're doing World War One armies. I don't see anything to do with World War One. No, no. nothing suspicious here. <laughs> <at all. laughs> <Nothing> suspicious. <laughs> Move along, people. Move along. Um, so yeah, especially whenever I I seen the um, end of empires and all the armored cars, it was like oh, I wonder who does all the armored cars for World War One. Uh -huh. uh, so this was, um, I think, a Kickstarter. Although obviously, Alphonse Marcel has been doing 3D printing things for a while now. Uh, a whole host of stuff from, you know, funky bits to wow. print out and, and chess sets and stuff. I quite like the steampunk chess set, it has to be said. The, the free model as well is some sort of boppy steampunk robot, which I think uh -huh. is, is always good, clean family fun. Um, so, you know, if you're into your chess and you want to do something a bit avant-garde, a little bit different, then obviously you can do that. However, it's it's really the total war destruction. That's what we're here for. That's why we're all involved. Um, so the idea behind this was to put together a range of World War One vehicles that could be used for dioramas, used for gaming, um, uh. in twenty eight mil scale, but to have them before and after. So if there's a intact Renault, then there's a knocked out Renault. Uh, planes. French ambulance with, you know, oxen pulling it or horse pulling it, whatever it happens to be. Um, they're all there uh, in various states of alive or deadness. <laughs> and I, I like the fact cracking. that you could, you could jump in and, mm. and just get the bits you need or the bits you want. Um, 
or obviously you know pick up pick up the pair so you've got the knocked out version for the tabletop if it gets knocked out in yeah. game uh, which is always always fun also the fact that when he popped on the website he went to the hassle of printing everything and doing it so we have here as you can see a host of stuff from the british mark one to your french ambulance your renault some down planes there's there's a whole lot going on um fortunately if memory serves the pictures don't get particularly bigger oh no i've picked (laughs) one thing that isn't working on that which is a shame because i want to see the down planes no shame shame um what are we saying the down tractor uh, yeah, the, the tractor is kind of a cool-looking piece. Tractor is a cool-looking piece. Let's see if that one opens for me. See, that one opens for me. It's nice like that. Hmm. You can see your clean tractor. You're destroyed. Hmm. So each one of these files is, I believe, both. You get your yeah. clean and clean destroyed in it. Or it might just be a clean and then the... No, no, clean hmm. and destroyed. That's right. That's that's good. I'm there. We're here. Don't worry about it. Move on, folks. Um, but yeah, the... the uh, the range is substantial. I want to say there's 60 vehicles done for this, plus a whole host of additional bits. We'll see the additional bits in a moment because there's some weird stuff going on with the additional bits that are probably more for your modeler. Although I can still find a use for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, things like the uh, the bussing 5AP armored car. Poor fella, his legs have come off. You two can bounce things on a print bed. The interesting thing, he said, clicking on this. Here we go. So you have all the variety of soldier surrendering, as well as some casualties as well. And I was looking at these going, well, probably more for diorama, but you have fatigue in Blood and Valor where you're counting up how many fatigue you have when you have four, you're shaking or whatever. And having maybe, you know, some surrender uh, figures at the back instead of, you know, just casually, because often you'll see casualty markers or tokens like that where it's just dead people. But I like the idea of maybe maybe putting a few shaken ones in just for surrender. Or maybe when you hit that, I think when you hit four fatigue and blood value automatically, you're shaking and start to retreat. At that point, stick a, a surrendering guy so that you know that that unit is broken. They're not dead. They may come back, um, but you've got the uh, the whole look of it. And I, I like I, that idea. Yeah. I, it's it's an unusual set. You don't often see surrendering figures. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's casualty markers left, right, and center, but actual just um Yeah, I have had it up for today, yeah. hands in the air. Yeah. It's This is a terrible place, and I don't want to be here anymore. I'd very mm-hmm. much like to go away now. Thank you which is a great way of doing it. If we go back to here, there's my French ambulance. Oh, with the horses. With mm-hmm. the, the dead horses. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think they're in alive horses for the, the clean version. They're already dead, or maybe they're just having sleep. Although I'm fairly certain horses don't sleep lying down. Completely knackered, having a, a long, long think about it. Yeah. But yeah, it was just a, a really... Really cute little set of figures. I need to have some tanks because if I don't have tanks, John will probably kill me. He will be <laughs> So obviously the British. It really is one. a nice touch having both versions there, isn't it? Yeah, it's it um and the fact that when you see the knocked out ones, they're not just 
here's a hole in the side. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, it's full, like tracks off all sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. yeah this thing is fully ruined. They're yeah. completely buggered. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've gone on holiday by mistake at that point. Mm. <laughs> so it's, um, it's, I sorry. always find this part of history interesting when tanks were first becoming a thing. The, the land ships. Mm. Yeah. They're, 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 it's a, it's a daft, daft time in history, especially the French tank. Project. Oh, yeah. the, the, not this one, tough. but the the massively long the Schneider, the yeah. Saint Simon and the Saint Simon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wasn't that the one that had like a what was that a six foot overhang from the front of the tracks? Yes, on each end. Yeah, yeah. So it was very bad at crossing trenches, which is kind of what they needed to do. Which I find hilarious because they have them in um, that All Quiet in the Western Front remake on Netflix. Mm. <laughs> they have them. Duck, ducking down into trenches and then climbing back out again, and I'm like, no, they don't do that. I mean, they couldn't <laughs> do that. Yeah, look at that. Couldn't they, that. AV7, like, yeah, I know with the, the internals. Yeah, nice. Um, th- was that a field gun that I saw on the previous page, there, Jerry? There, there are two field guns in the previous page, or uh, field gun slash mortar. Uh-huh. So we've got some cannon and uh, the mortar and the mortar, and again. Mm-hmm. Various flavors of field gun. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, because what's the It does show you that we hadn't come massively on from uh, Napoleon's time by the time World yeah. War really One came good. around. It, and the development between World War One and World War Two is incredible. And then the development since then, you know, it's um Yeah, humanity just sort of those. ramped it right up in short yeah. order. But you can see there the uh, the borders and the yeah, trench trench mortars, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice touch. Ken, trench mortars have just been added to Blunt Valor. Not that I'm spending a lot of time reading Blunt Valor at the moment. Trench uh-huh. mortars are trench mortars are a thing now. And if if I could get some, John, trench yeah. mortars we could have trench mortars in our trench mm-hmm. mortar, trench mortar, trench mortar. Yep. Although aren't you still looking for a, a sniper? Uh, yeah, I'm still looking for a sniper as well. But uh, you know, if I can get a sniper, I'll take a mortar in uh, in short order. Yeah, I explain not love. just. Can you not just model a tree with a little hatch on it? Oh, well, yeah. That, that's accurate to World War that, that I. That is accurate yeah. to, yeah. Just get a stamp. Yeah. Um, so apart from the World War One collection, um, which I would say, bar the fact that I can't see the planes, which I'm gutted about, because mm. uh, then you could have Flash Heart. Copped a packet sausage side. Woof. Thought I stepped in a Bosch. Um, there's also a few tutorials here, and I thought these would be interesting for you people who do the 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Because I obviously don't and have little or no knowledge slash care for it. However, there's a little here's a, a three minute video about how you change the scaling, and it's not just oh, a case of going how you can magnify the details so that the uh, wee hands and all don't fall off. Exactly. Yeah. So it's actually yeah. this is this is starting with like a something that's scaled for like one thirty fifth, so much yeah. bigger scale piece, mm-hmm. and then. Over accentuating everything through, I think it's called mesh mixer. Yeah, mesh, mesh mixer. Yeah, yeah. Mesh um, mixer. yeah. And and sort of embiggulating all the details so that when he then reduces it and reduces it down to twenty mil, it's still, it, the details are still visible and it's also printable. So I mean, there yeah. at one thirty fifth, you're going, well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but if you took that down to fifteen mil, but if I yeah, pop yeah. to here later on, so it's a very, I mean, it's a very short tutorial. You're not missing anything because there's no voiceover. There's just that little bits of text pop up from the subtitles. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I thought this is something you don't often see with 3D um, 3D printers. Well, certainly, what the ones we look at, we tend to look at finished 
articles all the time. Yeah. Um, and so there's this, and there you see dropping into a, like a 28 mil figure. It doesn't look as grossly over-exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And again, if you drop it down to the 20 mil or 15 mil. Um, so it's something something I hadn't heard about. Um, I don't know, because I, I hear you and Lloyd talk about Blender and stuff like that all the time. But I've yeah. never heard of Mesh Mix or whatever it is or however it's used. So, so it's an interesting I'll definitely check that out. Mini yeah. tutorial. And then also he dropped one in for um, how to make a 3D model. And this was fascinating. Um, so he's decided this is this is how he made a 20 mil 3D model. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't a professional idea that he's going, you know, professionals don't worry about this. This is for people at home who have a 3D printer and want to start doing their own modeling. So he's yeah. actually got, just scanned in a, a side, a plan and a front view of this uh-huh. tank, or tank, armored car. Um, registered them on the three axes in the right sort of height and proportions, and then just starts extruding shapes to mm-hmm. fill those plans, which is mind-blowingly genius to me. I hadn't mm-hmm. ever thought, but there's so many books out there where you can find, especially for for tanks and armored cars and vehicles. Finding all the elevations on you, the diagrams. You, yeah. all, you need, all you need are those three plan schematics. Yeah. Um, he does, there's a voiceover on this one, which I've muted so I can actually talk to you guys without having to shout over myself. Um, he talks about adding detail. And again, this has been done for 20 mil. So he's going, you need to over-exaggerate this piece so that it's visible mm-hmm. in 20 mil when you print it and over-exaggerate this piece so that it's it's sturdy enough to print. So he gives you little tips like that. It's a five-minute video that essentially teaches you to 3D sculpt your first vehicle from three black and white drawings. Um, and again, means nothing to me, oh, Vienna, but for people mm-hmm. messing around with a 3D printer or getting into it or starting to explore what they can and can't do, it's an interesting concept of not just going, I need to find somebody who's already done it. Yeah. Maybe you can find a way of doing it yourself. And maybe starting with a whole model is probably not your first step. I, obviously you've done bases and stuff in the past and cut bits out and things like that but I, I just find this fascinating um just the the whole idea behind it and and how he goes about doing it over a ridiculously short amount of time it has to be said and then if i skip to the end uh he shows supporting it all and then finally finishes off with here it is printed mm. and uh and ready to go yeah, did um, thing yeah. Um, so, yeah, two little interesting tutorials sort of tucked away on the, the back of a site, um, yeah. just kind of living their best life there. And uh, I think it's a, ooh, is that with the nail polish? Yeah, uh, yeah it's really, really interesting way of, of um, approaching 3D printing as well. And it's super good. Yeah. Right. It's nice, yeah. nice to see the process. Really nice yeah. to see the process. I, th- I thought it would be interesting for you because you're bound to have front, side, and, and plan views of a lot of vehicles, John. So I expect <laughs> you to start throwing things into Blender tomorrow and just start pulling things. So the weekender's late. It's because John's just started to print out all the tanks. <laughs> I've never that, had that, one, that one Mark variant that's incredibly rare that no one has made a miniature of yet. Yeah. Uh... Right, yeah. have we got a couple of Kickstarters this week then, Jerry? We have a pair. Uh, we have a a little 
brief one just to get things started. Uh -huh. um, so a few weeks ago, we looked at a end of the week, so a few weeks ago, might have been a month or so ago, um, which is a atomic punk or retro punk sci-fi called Counterblast, uh, the miniature game. Mm -hmm. And they've gone to Kickstarter to do a RPG setting for it for the Savage Worlds core set. Um, so it is very much your Flash Gordon, your Dan Dare, um, your Buck Rogers in the 20th century, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's 1950s on Earth and the aliens have arrived and there's a, a whole slew of them. So you've got uh, the, the book itself is going to be a supplement for Savage Worlds as a core system. Um, they are working on the premise that Savage Worlds are having a sci-fi companion that's going to be coming. Uh, so this should be compatible with that as well. Uh, but I really enjoyed looking at that setting when we, we looked at the end of the week with the, the weird and wacky aliens and that very 1950s retro aesthetic uh, yeah. for your rocket ships and you know, things like that when you're off fighting Ming the Merciless in space or where you're being attacked by, you know, space sharks or space precinct things or the eyeball stocks on heads aliens. Um, so there's, you know, half a dozen alien races sentient ones that you can sort of play through there's going to be the various uh, mechanics for savage core to expand it into uh the the retro sci-fi setting if you've not played the the savage worlds set um it's a fairly standard ish set of polyhedral dice uh they've got some interesting mechanics in savage core because it's very fast and punchy um you've got exploding dice uh, and all the, the facets as, a, as an option when you're playing through. So when you're doing traits, uh, you always got the option for like D8, D6, D20 to just keep rolling and rolling and rolling so you can do spectacularly well. But at the same time, they've got some limiting factors. So if something happens to go completely off book, you're not going to be one-shotted by an alien. Um, there's like a, a, a cap on how much wound you can take at one time. Uh, but I just really like the counterblast aesthetic and style. Uh, I really love the the squiddly brain aliens, um, F. Danny, the uh, whole backstory and lore that they've put together is great and the the style that they have for their artwork and illustrations is absolutely stonking as well now i will preface this with it is mostly aimed at america because anybody who's attempted to ship anything from america recently has seen how much the the cost is so they're not shipping physical product outside the us which is a shame because one of the things you can get is a classical tin lunchbox with oh. battle foam inserts for the miniatures if you get the physical version and i wanted it so much however if you are outside the us you can get a completely digital version so you can get the pdf and you can get the digital stl files of the miniatures to print yourself and then hopefully we'll be able to see these outside the us of a in a physical form from like local vendors but as you can see they've got a, a, a an interesting squad if you want to play rpgs incorrectly um with miniatures, miniatures? Hmm? Is that a free miniature? That, that is Brack Maxter. Yes. This lovely double-breasted suit, which I'm assuming is in some sort of garish, mm. garishly bright color that you can't see because this episode's in black and white. Um, <laughs> but if you were in the studio audience, you'd be going, oh my God. It's blinding. Fluores fluorescent pink, yellow, and green. Who thought these were good colors? But, you know. Oh, uh, the, the lunch tin does look the, I mean, the, I'm, oh, I just, I was gutted. Absolutely oh, gutted so when good. I seen this. Um, but the idea is, obviously get your hands on 
the whole history and background of their universe where aliens came to us in the 50s and occasionally we go to them in our rocket ships and uh, and do all the, the Lord's own work in the stars. But it's very much if that Saturday morning serial style thwack, smack and punch your way to strength, happiness and freedom. Um, the Counterblast has gone through second edition now in the uh, skirmish games so they've already got a lot of the lore and stories built up and this just layers more into that so you've got this sort of universe developing uh, you can also grab the uh, the savage world's core sort of starter rules for free and uh, a little test scenario as well if you want to see what the, the game plays like and whether or not it's for you but uh, i thought it was just a, a really nice little retro sci-fi game and i'm glad to see them expanding from just miniatures into the rpg side uh, so yeah Good times to be had by all with a retro ray gun in your hand and some squid-faced aliens coming at you like cleopatra mm -hmm. uh there is 14 days left on that uh, so, funded or no not funded yet um but i'm hoping it will mm -hmm. uh because otherwise i won't oh, get this, it yeah this is definitely a cool one yeah there's so there's a, a lot of fun to be had with it but not as much fun as the next kickstarter which I was told I had to include, or John would beat me to within an inch of my life. And I bruised like a peach, so I couldn't let that happen. <laughs> so there's did, a, he, did he not have the bag of Satsumas to hand? Uh, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully not yet. It's battle tech. Battery tech. Mercenaries. Holy hell. 3.8 <laughs> oh, million. Oh, yeah. I will wow. definitely have to mute that. So... <laughs> Battletech then, Mercenaries, yes. the yes. second Kickstarter, and and apparently it's blown up slightly. So much so that from what I heard, Catalyst went to Adepticon last week expecting to come back and go, oh, look at our Kickstarter. And they blew through every stretch goal that they'd come up with while the people were at, at Adepticon, leaving a lot of people going, where are the next stretch goals? And Catalyst going, there's nobody in the office. Uh, <laughs> we can't oh my God, anything. what have we done? They um it it got to the point where uh, I've obviously backed this um mm. it got to the point where on day one within the first uh ten hours of the Kickstarter running live there was eight emails in my inbox saying up uh, Kickstarter update <laughs> because they were just going we don't know what we're doing holy crap thank you so much and then they were like okay here's some stuff okay you've bought all that here's some more stuff okay you've bought all that uh oh <laughs> and they were they were coming out straight away in their communications going we did not expect you to blow through every stretch goal in the first three hours we're sorry <laughs> and we're working on it two of our guys are at adepticon they're currently trying to ask questions to the guys in charge to say what do we do next boss so yeah <laughs> they at least they were being open and honest about it they mm. were saying like we have had a panic here because we don't know what to do now. I mean, I'm going to be honest, it's a good problem to have. It's it's a good and bad problem, because we've seen Kickstarters that in the past have overpromised. Well, that's for, true, yeah. You know, And I started to worry a little bit, because as more stuff got added on, I was like, is this going to delay delivery, or is this stuff mm -hmm. they're already working on, sort of thing. Yeah, and um, honestly, do you even need to add more whenever you've blown through every stretch goal you had planned for? Well, what they what they've tended what they've ended up kind of doing is taking the existing stuff and saying, okay, we can expand on that by giving you the next wave of stuff early. Mm -hmm. So the stuff that's already like 70% in the planning stage or in the, in the um, design stage, you'll get that as part of your, you know, depending on what pledge level you're at, yeah. you'll get that yeah. early. Um, it works. It, there's a, the, the Battletech UK community are very happy about all this sort of stuff because mm. 
it's very hard for us, as we just mentioned, to get stuff out of the US. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of UK people have jumped on board with this because it's not going to be handled in the same way as per shipping as their store site is because mm-hmm. their store site only uses FedEx. Oh, yeah. So you're damned. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're really screwed over through that. So hopefully this yeah. distribution, and they've also mentioned UK and EU distribution this time mm. as well for this Kickstarter. So, oh, they're, so they're setting up some hubs. Yeah. So there will be some hubs available now, which makes just That's makes good. It a bit more accessible. Mm. Um, but the success of this has been unreal. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it was more than what they expected. It it blew apart the um, clan invasion Kickstarter that they ran last time. Yeah. So, but, I mean, we have seen a massive resurgence of BattleTech in recent years. Huge. But absolutely huge. that's a point then for people who are unaware because Battletech is in a weird position where it's incredibly old it's older than Justin and John combined um, that's not that old but, I know I'm joking but at the same time it's it's almost like a, a niche part of the hobby that all of a sudden has become massive so there's going to be people going what in the wide wide world of sports is Battletech and I suppose mm. hard sci-fi it's but the the way to kind of get a, get the taste of it is Game of Thrones in space. Mm. You've got big houses all controlling certain parts of the galaxy that try to work that kind of work together, but not really. You have um, what we would have what you would say in Star Trek terms, like the uh, the Federation mm-hmm. would have been what started it all, like what expanded the galaxy out, and then after a while. They had a schism inside that, so some of them buggered off with uh, a guy called Kerensky, who comes back later on in the the lore with the clans. So that's the clan invasion kind of thing. Um, but apart from that, you get these big houses that are controlling resources and militaries and factories and stuff, and they'll trade between each other or have a fight with each other because they'll someone else will have something they want. And then in the middle of this, you get these mercenaries, which is what this Kickstarter is all about. So you have. Like we would have today, you have proxy war as well. Mm. Major houses don't want to be seen to be fighting each other. So what will happen is mercenaries will be hired and sent or hired, equipped, and then sent out to do the, the dirty work of someone else. Plausible deniability. Plausible deniability. The, the the biggest appeal of Battletech initially for me was the big giant stompy robots because I've mm. seen the cartoon series when it came out in the 90s, which is horrendous, and it's all on YouTube, and it's still horrendous. Um. <laughs> But after beyond that, when I started to get into it uh, last year mm-hmm. with uh, the with the Catalyst releases, I was getting into the lore and finding out about how the noble houses worked, how the militaries were taken taken from the the nuclear edge because in BattleTech, nuclear warfare had happened, and everybody as a collective in the human in the human sphere went, we can't afford to do that don't, to don't every that planet again. we want. Yeah, yeah. naughty naughty. So there's there's these big overarching like the Geneva Conventions. There's these big conventions that reduce and restrict the amount of things you can have in a war in in war and all that sort of stuff. Then they develop <clears throat> what are called labor max. So you mm-hmm. get like JCB, literally JCB building stuff, yeah, building robots sense. that help yeah. make buildings and stuff like that. And then someone says, "Hey, why don't we put a gun on? What that? if we strap all the rockets <laughs> to its head? Yeah. Yes. What's What's really cool, the more you delve into the lore, is the plausibility of it. Because unlike 40k and a lot of other high sci-fi stuff, there's there's a break between what we know as technology that can exist 
and mm. what happens in 40k but in battletech it really is a, an extension of what we know and what we've developed mm. so artificial muscles myomer muscles are called <laughs> in uh battletech or what power these big mechs these aren't all just mechanical things these are using technology that in the past five or six years we've been starting to be produced in. yeah yeah so there is that lovely mesh of what we know today and what battletech offers you as a as a potential future yeah. which makes but it really fascinating to get into. it's yeah it's the lower side because i have friends who are massive into their battletech and they had you literally had books that said you know battletech uh 3037 and so the rule set would be it was almost like playing a historic war game because yeah. that brought you up to that year which meant that the mechs and stuff that are developed down the line they don't exist in this period so you're playing that time period and there were different different books with different years sort of brackets on them i don't know if they still have that because that's the original battletech from way back in the day but but the idea that you can pick a specific point in time you can pick before the clan invasion therefore you're not going to see any of the filthy clanners yeah and you can see here the some of the lore that you know they're 16 page primer to give you an idea of what's going on but this nice um, to have something like that but this um kickstarter then also adds flyers and uh, yeah. afas as well yeah so it adds aircraft and tanks and apcs and stuff like that to alpha strike mm. which is the easy the, the pickup game sort of right style of it it's the more sort of what we would consider a typical war game you know it's classic battle tech is three or four miniatures per side yeah alpha strike can be 20 30 miniatures or 40 50 miniatures per side and it's a much faster system it gets you into the feel of it without mire bogging you down, you down in, in the detail. Yeah. Like it doesn't care so much about which part of the mech has been hit when you take a shot like classic does, or it doesn't worry about heat buildup as much as yeah, classic indeed. does that sort of thing. You still have to run through your gator. Uh, no, you don't. You run through, um, is it TTS or TTR something like that? It's mm. how you evaluate a target when you attack something. Mm. So there's, Alpha Strike is very cool to to play. It gives you the feel. It gives you the idea of it. Lets you paint a lot of models because, of course, us today now we're more collectors than we are anything else. So we mm. have we we have a desire for a lot of models. Um, the, and there's my, such my a breadth of different big. mech types in here. There is you the the mech types alone. Never mind vehicles, aircraft, infantry, all that sort of stuff. The the mech types alone are insane. There's maybe if I remember my Mac Warrior online game, there's maybe 120 different Macs, and each of them have eight or nine variants, which are all lore accurate, which are all lore correct. They all exist in the lore in some form or another. So there's an absolute plethora of stuff to dig into. There, there's a ridiculous amount of pledge levels from $15 up to $5,000. Yep, the big kappas, the big kappas are all sold out. <laughs> That's, 40, 40 that's people in the world have spent $5,000 on this. You know, I don't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things, if you could do it yourself, you would. Mm -hmm. There's the stretch goal. So yeah, but, even though this is, is aimed at alpha, uh, there's still hex maps at Google. Yeah, plenty you, of hex so maps. Because you, you can play alpha strike in... On the hex maps, like classic anyway, or you can play it yeah. with edges and on a base yeah, tabletop. If, you, if if you play if you play Alpha Strike on the the hex maps, you're getting your 
Mac facing's a bit more correct. Mm. You know, that's that aids with the, the facing of the Macs, but you can play Alpha Strike on a standard table, which Shay and I have played in here a few times now. So Herbie Derby's on its way. Herbie yeah. Derby. They um they've absolutely knocked that one out of the park. Uh it's suffice to say, I think if you're interested in getting involved, uh, it's probably a good way of doing it. There is a bit of a wait before they are due to actually deliver it. Um, so what are we looking at next year? June, June they were saying next June year. next year, but yeah. they'd said before the Kickstarter really blew up, they kind of said we were going to be able to deliver within seven, eight the, months rather than the full 12. They know months. how they've done it last time around. So now they've, yep. yeah, they've ironed things out. I imagine they've given themselves wiggle room, uh, which is probably just as well considering how it has blown up. Well, I mean, they're making, what, roughly twice the amount they were expecting to? Well, that'll, well, that'll keep people out of trouble anyway. The the Clan Invasion Kickstarter, yeah, the Clan Invasion Kickstarter had 12,000 backers, mm. and this mm. is up to 16, 17 now, so like, they wow. have a lot of extra logistics to worry about. It's a, it's a brave new world, and it's a very, very old one. I'm, I'm, as a crusty bearded old man, I'm very happy. Best thing <laughs> is... I'm very happy. Best thing is there's no alien story about in Battletech. It's all just it's all just it's humanity. all just humans kicking the crap just out of you. Just dudes. Just dudes yeah. kicking the crap out of you. Horrible yeah. moral humans. <laughs> there, there you go. Funded. Oh boys have funded, and there are 20 days left if you fancy a bit of B Tech in the future. Um, and hopefully, hopefully in the future we'll see it in more stores around the world as well. So it'll be a bit easier for people to lay their hands on. I think that's enough for this week. I'm all spent. I've got to go and lie down now. Just as well, we're not here next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sleep cover. for a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if that is too far, if two weeks is too much for you, come over on Sunday morning to ontabletop.com. Join us for a Cult of Games XLBS, where we have a guest. Ooh. You're intrigued now. I can see it. You can have a 30 day trial and join us and see what we're waffling about. Otherwise, we will see you post Easter when I've eaten all my eggs. Until then, enjoy your gaming. Go ahead and check out our other content on screen now. And while you're at it, why not hit subscribe and remember to ding our dong. Go on, you know you want to click it. Go on.